Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. You, you can lower me a little bit. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Verse 39, And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he had said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. I thank God that even when we don't speak and we don't know what to say or we don't, God can still hear our thoughts. Amen. Isn't that good news? And I love it because he, he addresses our thoughts. I thank God that I cannot hear your thoughts. I think if the world could hear each other's thoughts, we would have no friends. <laughs> and then Jesus answered his thoughts. He said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to tell you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debt. And who do you suppose loved him more after that? Verse 43, Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he had canceled a larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. I like the picture here. It says, he turns to the woman, but he's talking to Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she, was, she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I, I don't know about you, but does anybody need peace in their life? Amen. One more scripture to read and we'll get started. 
John chapter 1, verse 14, and it says, And the Lord and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Fast forward to verse 16, and of his fullness we have all, someone shout all, all. received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to talk to you on part two of Faces of Grace. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has been read, oh God. We pray that this be be much greater than information being disseminated, oh God, but this may be a word that transforms our lives. I thank you so much, God, that we have an amazing time, uh, an amazing opportunity to be at this school uh, and that we get on Sundays to call it Kuha, oh God. We thank you that you are going to transform lives here today and people will encounter your love and your grace. And we thank you, God, that I'm married to the most anointed woman on the planet and she so happens to be gorgeous too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. One more time, if you, if you love Jesus this afternoon, give him some praise. guys have a pet peeve how many of you guys got too many pet more pet peeves than you can count right like uh there there are top pet peeves in the building and one of them are uh you ever heard of this pet peeve chewing gum with your mouth full ever seen that one right chewing gum with your mouth full how about this you ever met that person that does not understand the concept of personal space is it just me? Like, bro, I can smell your breath. Like you. Arm distance, right? You have, you have. <laughs> uh, how about the person that doesn't know how to cover their mouth when they sneeze? Anybody got a pet peeve like that? Like, these are top pet peeves. Like, this annoys people. How about, how about this? Like, you ever met that person that they don't even like the way you say, uh, you got to make sure you spell their and there, and there. You got, you got they are, you got there. You ever met those people? Oh my God, I can't believe he does this all the time. <laughs> like, hey, it's English. English is complicated, right? It's like there, they are. There, it's theirs, and right there. <laughs> right? About your or yours, right? Um, uh, I don't know about you, I got a couple of pet peeves. My wife has a couple of pet peeves, and you know, one of them is, uh, I don't know if you know this, but one of them is you cannot pick out of her plate while she's eating. Amen. Somebody help her get a, somebody help her get an amen over here. Like, I don't know about you guys, like the way I was raised, like you can pick out of anybody's food. Like, my mom is the first one. My mom will come to the restaurant and she won't order anything but she'll ask for a plate. And then she'll go around the table like it's a buffet and pick up everybody's plate and she gets the best of all worlds, right? And so, I remember the first time me and my wife go out to eat and I go, oh my goodness, and I went like this and it was like, what you doing? 
I'm like, I'm just grabbing. Your plate looks better than mine. By the way, I don't know why her plate always looks better than mine. But I go to grab it, and she, hey, what are you? <laughs> and then you start getting scared because she starts twitching, right? Like, and so uh, I remember that uh, pet peeve. Another one of her pet peeves is, is being touched by feet. Being touched, being touched by feet. Um, again, we were, we were we were raising so being touched by feet, like unless it's her her handsome man, you know what I'm talking about. It's, but like if you come near her, now now this is the ironic thing. She used to work for a podiatrist, but she hates feet. All right, she absolutely hates feet. Like you can't like if you come near her and you and you are like barefooted, she will watch your feet to make sure that you, your feet don't come five inches next to her. Like, don't, don't, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just reclining. No, your feet are about to touch me. A pet peeve. Absolutely detest feet. And just, ugh, right? To her, it's disgusting, but she worked for a podiatrist. There's grace for that. Now, Pastor Ro, I got a few pet peeves. I don't have too many, but I have a few, and like, you know, one of them is uh, being committed to your word. Like, for me, that's a pet peeve. Like, like if you say something, do it. Can I get an amen over here? Somebody help me out like this. No, we like saying whatever we want, Pastor Ross. <laughs> right? Like, I, this is one of my pet peeves. Like, when someone tells me something, I believe them. Like, what you, I believe you. Like, that's one of my pet peeves. So I believe you. So when you kind of neglect your commitment, I'm like, oh. I start getting like Lisa with the feet, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and um, another one is complaining about the weather. Guys, if it's going to rain, it's going to rain. If it's clouds outside, it's clouds outside. No judgment here. I'm just, I'm just unpacking my personal information right here. All right. Another one of my pet peeves, get ready. This is pet peeve. You ever see Pastor Roe come out of his Christian for a second? <laughs> is I don't know about you guys, but it's bad customer service. Come on. There we go. Somebody help me out. I worked in customer service for 10 years. So for me, I have a certain... I, like, I know what customer service is supposed to look like, you know? I, I know what good quality, it's the same thing with visuals. I'm, I'm uh, a graphic designer by trade, so for me, visually, things have to look appropriate and good, right? And if you ever seen me pass by your area, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so, I know what good customer service looks like, I did it for 10 years, was a supervisor. So for me, when I go somewhere and then it's supposed to be uh, offering good customer service or good service in general, anybody that's in the service industry, for me, I've served in it so long, so I know what that looks like. And so I have a, a little bit of a pet peeve when I get bad customer service. Like, for example, does that happen? Uh, for example, I, I went to Dunkin' Donuts. Now, I love Dunkin' Donuts. I love me some Dunkin'. Anybody love Dunkin' Donuts in the house? Now, I love Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, what happened was I went to a Dunkin' Donuts. Now, we're going to forgive Dunkin' Donuts because they were in Jersey. 
and they were giving me bad service. I, can I tell you what happened? I walked into place, and they were arguing about who was going to serve me some coffee. And you know, they're talking in Spanish, and I must look Caucasian, because <laughs> apparently they didn't think I spoke Spanish. And they're telling one another, no, I got the last customer. You get this customer. No, I've been here all day. And I'm like, my Jesus. <laughs> I may believe like I made a phone call. I'm like, you would not believe this thing right here. They talking about me. Like, I, I was just like, wait, what? Like, um, do you know that, uh, how do I put this nicely? You get paid to serve coffee. I'm just saying, have you, anybody been in the service industry? We know what, this is what we signed up for, right? So you are arguing with one another about who is going to serve coffee. And by the way, I needed me some coffee that day. And if you knew that you have to serve people coffee nine times out of 10, it's because they needed to be sane. I don't think you want to delay anybody from getting their coffee. Can I get a witness over here, right? Like, I need my coffee, right? I need my coffee, right? So I'm like, I need my coffee, and then I, and then I, okay, oh, you guys finally decided who's gonna give me some coffee. Amen, praise the Lord, right? And then, uh, how can I help you? <laughs> God bless you, sister, how are you? So then I talk to them in Spanish. Hey, como está todo, bien? Amen, amen. Después un poquito de café. Right? And then it's like, and then it's like, she's like, uh, okay, how can I help you? And I said, I want a caramel latte, medium iced, with whipped cream, and half and half, please, no milk. No milk? You know what it's going to be like, right? And listen, a caramel latte with whipped cream and half and half. But it's going to be too, listen, hey, escúchame, escúchame. <laughs> I need a caramel latte. <laughs> Let me go back there, I'll make it myself, come here. And I get this, this merry-go-round, it's like, oh, are you sure? And, and I just, and that's one of my pet peeves, like, I, I pet peeves are a little interesting because they're like, you know certain things are, be, are they're supposed to be done a certain way and they just get under your skin, but in a way that you feel abnormal. Like, you're like, this shouldn't be bothering me as much as it does, right? Like, but it does, right? <laughs> it bothers me. So, uh, uh, in this scene, the scene that we're going to dive into today, you know what we have? We have a whole lot of feet action and a whole lot of bad service. Me and Lisa would have lost her mind. Oh my God, do you, do you see her touching that guy's feet? And I would have been like, oh my God, do you see Simon? He's giving such bad service right now. Look, he's not even helping his brother out. Because it was customary that when you went to a person's house, you would begin to wash their feet. It was customary that you went to a person's house and guess what happened? It's like, it's like when someone walks in your home right now and you offer them a drink of water. It's like somebody offers, comes into your house and you offer them a handshake to say hello. 
And so in that day, you gotta you gotta understand when you walked, it wasn't like you was wearing Tim's, you were wearing these little flip-flops. And you would walk from town to town. And by the time you got to someone else's house, your foot would be literally caked with dirt and mud. And it's in that setting. So many times when you come to the person's house, they will offer you uh, uh, some water and they will wash your feet. Or somebody in the house will come and wash your feet. And they would put oil on your hair or on your head. And they would take care of you as a guest. But this was what probably the worst customer service or house service or hospitality that a person ever received in that day and age. Matter of fact, if you didn't get that, pretty much it's because you weren't wanted there. All right. And so Jesus gets invited to this house. And many times we don't know the context behind it. But a couple of scriptures before this one, it says that they were looking to, they were looking to observe Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking to observe Jesus to catch him in a lie or catch him in a sin or catch him breaking the law. And so it's in this setting you have bad customer service, a woman of the night touching Jesus' feet. Thank God Jesus was not married because I don't know how his wife would feel about that. I'm just saying like, could you imagine? I can't even imagine. I can't even put myself in Jesus' shoes. Picture me trying to explain that to my wife. Yeah, honey. Um, no, my feet were dirty and nobody gave me customer service. And I just took one for the team and I just. Yeah, it was just oil and perfume. That conversation will not go well. Any husbands know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you ever see the exorcist? Anyway, that's another story for another day, right? So, um, it's in this setting, in this tension. So, here's the house. It's like there's, there's a, a feast happening or there's a dinner happening, but there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of tense. And it's, and, and it's in this place where this woman encounters Jesus in this awkward moment. Could you imagine her having to come and touch? There's a rabbi, there's a Pharisee, and there's a prostitute. In this tension, this woman encounters Jesus. I love this because have you ever thought about this? Jesus never said, I love you to anyone. <laughs> Jesus never says, I love you to anyone. And you know what? Jesus never used the word grace. Go through the scriptures. You'll never see Jesus using the word grace. And you'll never see him saying, I love you to anyone. Look at some of the husbands. You see, baby, I'm just trying to be more like Jesus. I don't need to say I love you. I'll just show you that I love you. Right? Jesus never says I love you. But here's the deal. It's because Jesus was the personification of love. And so Jesus didn't say it as much as he lived it. Jesus was the personification of grace. And so every time you encounter Jesus, you're encountering God's grace. Jesus is the personification of grace. And when you get Jesus, what you get? Grace. Someone shout grace. grace. This woman encounters Jesus. And here's, here's the thought. When you encounter Jesus, you're not encountering an idea. Oftentimes it's like, oh, what's grace, Pastor Rowe? What, what is grace? Well, here's what grace is not. Grace is not a concept. Grace is not 
an idea. Grace isn't a theory. Grace isn't what you uh, name your children, even though we have children named Grace. Um, Grace is not what you say before a prayer after uh, you eat or before you eat. Grace isn't a principle that you learn. Grace isn't a bunch of rules that you keep. Grace is not an abstract concept. Grace is a person. See, when you encounter Jesus, write this down. You encounter grace. And grace is more than something you receive. It's in a person you encounter. Grace is something much more greater than something you just received or an idea that you learned. I want to get this through our, 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 our minds because oftentimes we don't know how to explain this. But the best way we can explain the graces, grace of God is by looking at the life of Jesus. Jesus became grace. The Bible says that he came with grace and truth as grace and truth. And so uh, it's like, I, don't, I know grace, Pastor Rowe. There's grace for that, Pastor Rowe. And so many times people kind of like get scared and they shudder at the word grace. Oh, I don't know. You, Pastor Rowe, you, you talk about grace too much. Guess what's going to happen? People are going to start sinning all over the place. You got to be careful, Pastor Rowe. Now, I want to tell you something. Anyone who's ever flaunted their sin in the name of grace has never encountered a person. They've encountered an idea. Amen. Woo! All right. All right, God bless you guys. I'll see you later. People get, because, you know, I'm just going to live my life and I'm just going to do what I do. And, you know, I'm going to sin all I want. And, I gotta, and you think grace oftentimes have been, has been maligned and looked at as, as a license to sin, as if people needed a license anyway to sin, right? People need a license to sin. No, they don't. They sin anyway, right? But here's the truth. If you, if you say in the name of grace that we have a license to sin, you haven't encountered grace. What you've encountered is a concept. What you've encountered is an idea. But when you understand that you've encountered a person, when you understand, man, your worship is different when you understand that you've encountered a person. My loyalty is not to a principle. My loyalty is to the Savior of the universe. My loyalty is to a person. Grace is not simply something that you receive. Grace is an encounter you have with a person. If you believe that, give God some praise. Man, I thank God. I thank God that I didn't encounter a principle or an idea or a concept or a theory or a doctrine. I encountered the person of Jesus Christ. And every day you can fall more in love with that person. When you look at his, when you look at what God has done and when you look at the person of Jesus, that's what makes you become more like him. It's different when you encounter a person versus when you learn a principle. It's different. You become more amazed of his grace. You, be, you start looking at his grace and you start just being caught up in awe and in wonder of the beauty and the majesty of the person that has personified grace. I want to tell you today that Grace has a name, and its name, his name is Jesus Christ. I love the way Max Lucado puts it. He says, Grace is everything Jesus. Grace lives because he does. It works because he works. It matters because he matters. To be saved by grace is to be saved 
by Him. Not by an idea, not by a doctrine or a creed or a church membership. Guess what? As good as Kuhau is, which it is, Kuhau does not save you. It's the grace of God that transforms your life and washes your sins. You're not saved by a church membership, but by Jesus Himself, who will sweep into heaven anyone who so much as gives Him a nod. I love that because we're a church of anyone's. Woo! I love it because this is a church of anyone's. I was about to hashtag, not, not only come as you are, hey, bring anybody you want. Kuhau, we take anyone. I want to be a church that takes anyone. Oh, they, they threw you out? You're welcome here. Oh, you, you were caught up on drugs? You're welcome here. We'll take anyone. We don't take only the prim and proper. We take the broken and the defeated and the ones that are strung up. We take those too. <laughs> Woo! I feel like preaching. <laughs> and you know, sometimes my concern as a pastor, you know, sometimes my concern is this. Sometimes it's that we can sometimes get so familiar in this setting that we become less in awe of God's grace. We, get, we, we just, grace now is no longer a person. It's now, well, that's just a message. That's just an idea. It's a concept. And then we, we, we begin to gather together and we become less in awe of God's grace and more focused on our ability to obtain what God has given us already. Look what, look, what, uh, look what Luke 7 says. It says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, I want to give you, you guys know what Pharisees and Sadducees are? Let me give you an explanation real quick. Because sometimes the Pharisees get a bad rep. Now, here's a Pharisee named Simon and he invites Jesus. And the context behind it is is a Pharisee who's kind of scoping Jesus out, making sure, trying to see if Jesus will slip up. That's why the, the moment that this woman, Jesus doesn't even do anything. The moment that this woman touches him, he's already condemning Jesus. He's saying, man, if this guy was really a prophet, he ain't no real prophet. They say he's a prophet, but he ain't a prophet at all. He's just some, some uh, um, fly-by-night. He's just someone that's just showing up. But he's not a, he's not a prophet at all. He's just some, some guy. I mean, he, if he really was a prophet, it, they, it, the moment she touched him, he would have he rejected her. He would have condemned her. This guy. And then he's ready to condemn Jesus. And check this out. A Pharisee, though, everything that a Pharisee did, did in the name of God. So you'll never hear about Pharisees in the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, there weren't Pharisees. And, and, and here's, here's what happened. What happened was, is that uh, in the Old Testament, maybe about 900 centuries before Jesus comes into the picture. Can I give you some history real quick? Any history buffs? Is that all right? Give me some history. Pastor Rose going to try to teach. Every time I try to teach, I end up preaching. But I'm going to try to teach. And so about 900 years before Jesus comes to the picture, you have David, and David has, birth, David has a son. His son is named Solomon. And then he has a, another son, Rehoboam. Something like that. And, uh, and Rehoboam, uh, under the, the, 
under the, the kingdom and the ruleship of Rehoboam, the kingdom of Israel splits. And then you have a north kingdom and a south kingdom. You have one called Israel and the other one called Judah. And what takes place is that these two nations that were one are now struggling to follow God. And so this happens around 700 centuries before Jesus comes into the picture. And then in between 500 to 700 centuries, what you have is that they now fall under God's judgment because they start struggling with following God. And they they give themselves to other idols and they give themselves to other things. And God now, in order to bring them back to himself, he allows the Assyrian army and the Babylonian army to take over them. And so after 70 years of captivity, of the second captivity, they come back to their land. And between the Old Testament and the New Testament, do you know how many years are between the Old Testament and the New Testament? 400 years. 400 years. It's in that place, at the end of the Old Testament, what you find is is, uh, the prophets speaking. And and when they are caught, uh, once they come back home, they make this this decree, they say, we're going to follow God. We're going to return back to God. And it's within those 400 years that the Pharisees and the Sadducees come up. And why do they come up? They come up because they said, we're never going to go back to Babylon and we're never going to be defeated again. We don't want God to judge us anymore. We don't want, we, listen, we're, we don't want to misbehave in such a way that we're going to get caught up again and God's going to judge us. We don't want to do this. And so the Pharisees come into the picture and the Sadducees come into the picture and they're kind of like two different sets in the Jewish community. And so the Pharisees now say, hey, listen, we're going to, uh, we're going to look at the law and see how is it that we can make this uh, practical for our community to follow. We want to make sure that we never break the law again. Because the last time we broke the law and the last time we disobeyed God, what happened was is that God judged us. And so we don't want God to judge us no more. And so everything the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, they did in the name of God. So it's like, did he judge this sinner wrongly? No, she was a sinner. She was a, she was a prostitute. She was a woman of the night. And so he, their effort is to say, hey, we don't want this to happen again. And so how many of you guys know, remember the Sabbath day? Nobody? All right, two people. All right, good. (laughs) The Sabbath day, right? Keep the Sabbath day holy. So what they do is they look at the Sabbath day. And they say, well, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? What does it mean to keep the Sabbath? Does that mean that we can't work completely? Does it mean that we can turn on the light? Does it mean... And so they start building a fence around the law of God. They start building a fence around the Ten Commandments. They start building a fence around the 613 laws that God gave to the people of Israel. And they they start saying, hey, we want to make sure. And so they wrote volumes and volumes upon volumes of, of writings about how to keep the law. It's in this setting that Paul's like, I mean, not Paul, the Pharisee, Simon, he's like, he's like, that's a sinner. Like, this is what we're about. We're, we're about keeping the law. We're about making sure that, that we don't go back to Babylon, that we don't get uh, a judge again. We're, we're doing this. And so what happens is, in doing so, they, be, they began to become self-righteous. And now they were able to fulfill the law. Now they were able to keep some of the law. Now they were able to 
do what the law said because they had created this fence around the law. And now they got thousands upon thousands of writings that will describe to you or tell you how you can keep the Sabbath holy. So much so, even now, like if you go into an elevator with someone that is uh, an observing Jew, they won't even press the button because they consider it work. They won't even flip the light switch because they consider it work. And so this is what the Pharisees were about. They were saying to themselves, listen, we don't want to go back, but what happened in the long run, what happened in the long run was they became self-righteous. They became self-righteous. Look what it says here. Jesus responds to him. He says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. He says, a man loaned, a, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them would repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more than after that? And Jesus, Simon answered, I suppose to the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, he said. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears. He, she wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. I want you to write this down. Number two. Grace is more than partial payment. Grace is God paying your debt in full. That was a good time to say amen. I don't know about you, but that was a good time right there. Amen. You know what we think grace is sometimes? Grace, we think. Now, the Bible says that we have to be perfect for God is perfect. That's what the Bible says. We think grace is this. Okay, God. I'm going to do my very best to become perfect and you're going to make up the difference. You ever went Dutch with someone? Right? Like, like you, go, you go out with someone? Like the first couple of times you're like, I got this. Don't worry, I'm good. I'll take care of Oh, you want the filet mignon? Don't worry about it. I'll just grab a cup of water. Right? Like, I got this, don't worry about it, right? And you go out again, right? The second time, you kind of expect a nice gesture, right? Hopefully they'll do it, right? They don't, and you're like, oh, don't worry, I got this. I'll take some water again, don't worry. Oh, you want a milkshake? All right. How's that milkshake? Good. Ah, no, this water's here, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> After the second or third time, you're like, man. I'll pay mine, you'll pay yours. Third. My mom's like, you never tried that with me. You never tried that with me. 
My mom always pays. Shout out to Mom Dukes, all right? But, but you can pay for so long and then you expect the other person to kind of, ah, oh, you better chip in here, you know? You ever went out to eat and, and the person was just like, oh, I, I, everybody, like, everybody, hey, you want to go out to eat? You wanna go, everybody's going to go out to eat. And they go out to eat and then at the last minute they tell you they don't got money? Oh, you should have told us when we were making the plans to go out to eat, all right? Uh, but you kind of expect it. Sometimes we think that's our relationship with God. We chip in a little bit and God chips in the rest. We think that, okay, God, I'm going to leap as far as I can and try to reach you. And the part that I can't make it is up to you. And so we get, we make, some of us make a little leap. Other of us, we make these huge leaps. And then the person that made a little leap, you look at yourself and you'll be like, you see, God only has to give me a little bit. He has to give you so much more. When it's only the opposite. And so we think that grace is God putting in or chipping in on the half that you cannot accomplish. But grace is much more than partial payment. Grace is God paying our debt in full. Someone give God some praise. You want want to know what grace looks like? This is my attempt to reach God without God. You ready? Here it goes. Did you see it? Did you catch it? Nothing. Because without God, we cannot reach God. God came to us so that we can come to Him. And oftentimes we think it's human nature. It just makes sense. Like, the more I do, the better I am. And the more I am close to reaching God, it just makes sense. But grace does not make sense. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. You can't explain it in full detail. I can't understand how is it that God sees a Pharisee and he sees a prostitute and they, he says they are equally indebted to me. The way that God looks at it is that God created a system that nobody can get to him without him. What do you mean, Pastor Rowe? It means this, that the more you think you're doing, the more you think you're doing, watch this, the more you think you're doing or the more you think you accomplish, it's impossible for you to fulfill the law without becoming self-righteous. Did you catch that? It is impossible for you to fulfill the law of God with, by yourself without becoming self-righteous. That's why Paul said, I can, listen, I could boast if I want to, but I boast in my weakness. How do I boast in my weakness? I boast in what God has done for me because I fulfilled the law and all of that was worth nothing to me. All that does is make you self-righteous. Now, now, now watch this. When I fulfill the law, not in all my own strength, but in the strength that he's given me and the grace that he's given me, it empowers me to grow and change my life. Amen? 
Grace is more than a partial payment. Grace is God paying your debt in full. Look what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says. For God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can what? Boast about it. So that none of us could boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece and he has created us anew in Christ so we can do good things. He doesn't say you, he doesn't say you do good things and then you can get to me. He says, no, when you get to me by grace, I empower you to do good things. The more you think you do, watch this, catch this. The more you think you do, the less forgiveness you think you deserve. The more you think, or rather, the, great, the less grace you think you need. The more you think you do, the less grace you think you need. And the less grace you think you need, the less you will love other people. Last one, number three. Grace is more than seeing only that God has what God has done for you. Grace is seeing what God is doing in others. See, grace is acknowledging what God has done for you, absolutely. But grace doesn't stop there. Grace allows you to take your eyes off of you for a moment and allows you to see what God is doing in other people. And, and, and maybe you're a little ahead of other people. Maybe you're a little, maybe you've embraced God's grace and you've moved forward and maybe you've done those things, but there are some other people who haven't. And, and look what Jesus says. He says, Simon, look at this woman. She's done more than you think you've had. She, she's, he says, Simon, in other words, Simon, look at her with my eyes. I wonder what Staten Island would look like if we began to look at people with the eyes of Christ. I wonder what Staten Island would look like if we began to look at people with eyes of grace. I wonder if we, we saw something that we didn't necessarily deem as appropriate or we didn't think it was wise or uh, instead of judging them and condemning them, we would lead them to a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. See, grace is more than seeing only what God has done in, in your life. Grace is seeing what God is doing in this world. Grace is, is saying, I've encountered the face of grace so that I can become a face of grace to the world. So that I look at other lives and, and bring them to Jesus. You know, you know what it was with, with Simon? He had blind spots. He got so self-righteous. And there were so many blind spots in his life. He gives this story. He says this. You have one that owed 500. The other one owed 50 pieces of silver. 
Which one loved more? He says, well, naturally, the one that owed the more debt. You know what the message Jesus was telling Simon? You really haven't acknowledged the level of debt you have. When you, be, when you begin to stop being bewildered and amazed by God's grace, you begin to minimize what God has done for you. In turn, it becomes difficult for you to extend that to others. But when you become amazed, when I think about who I was and what, I, what, what, what God did for me, when I look at that and I say, God, I was like this prostitute. I was like this person. I was dead in my sins. But you came and you rescued me. It wasn't because I started coming to church. It wasn't because I started doing good things. It was because you did the greatest thing. You came to this world and you shed your blood to wipe me away from all sin. And so when you look at me, you don't look at my perfection. For the Bible says that our righteousness are as filthy rags before the Lord. But our wickedness has been placed on Jesus that's what God wants to see in our lives. He wants to see that we've placed all our sin on Jesus. And now when he sees Jesus, he sees us white as snow. Can someone give God some praise in the house? Okay. I want to share this with you. If there's any possible way that I can explain the gospel of grace is this way. This is you. This is, this is who you are. This is where you're at. This is how God created Adam. He created him perfect. He created him blameless. He created him righteous. Sin came into the world and tainted humanity. Romans chapter 5 says that because Adam sinned, we've all sinned. In other words, you're not a sinner because you committed a sin. You sinned because you have become because you were made a sinner. Because of Adam's sin. <laughs> but then 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes into the picture. I said Jesus comes into the picture. 2,000 years ago and he says, I'm going to wash you with my blood. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to make you brand new again. I'm going to wash you and I'm going to clean you and you're going to become my beautiful bride and you're no longer going to be covered with sin. You're no longer going to be covered with death, but you will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. It doesn't stop there. The good news of the gospel is that he makes us as clear and washed and pure again. 
But then he takes all your sin and all your filth and he places it on himself. And he washes and he gets rid of sin and death forever. If you believe that, give God a praise in this place. He gets rid of sin and death forever. The Bible says that your sins are forgotten and forgiven forever. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees what Jesus Christ has done. This is grace. I'm sorry I'm yelling. I'm just passionate. This is the grace of God. I'm just awestruck in amazement of his love and his grace. I don't ever want to become numb to that. I don't ever want to look at his grace and be like, yeah, God, God forgive me of my sins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Forgive me of my sins. No. I was destined to death. But his grace came and washed me. Amen. And made me as white as snow. Amen. Yeah, grace is wild. Grace is counterintuitive. Grace doesn't make sense. But when you encounter grace, you don't encounter a concept or a principle. You encounter a person. That is how we become a face of grace. Before we end, I want you to watch this one video of what God has done in a person's life. Get in the shower and I would scrub my body and I would think 
I'll never, ever be clean. I started freebasing cocaine. And one night, I just decided that I was just gonna get higher than I could, than I'd ever been before, because I just wanted to erase all the pain. The pain of the cancer, the pain of my uncle, my sister and my grandpa dying within three months of each other. The pain of losing all those years with my family up in the Midwest. The pain of losing all my friends, losing my cars, losing everything I ever made. I took the hit of that coke and I fell back. And I saw my family. I saw my people. And I was in the coffin. And everybody was crying and they were wiping their faces and they were saying, she was just arrested. That's when I said, Jesus. hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.